This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. My name is Chris Miller. My name is Paul Anderson. My name is Mark Boyd. Hello. My name is Derek Combs, and I listen to the Blue Army Podcast. My name is Maddie Robson, and you're listening to the Blue Army Podcast. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> I just hit the record button there, man. Basically, I'll just do a quick introduction, um, and then we'll just plow on with things, mate. And uh, it'll just be like a bit of an icebreaker after the introduction, and then just uh, questions about Hartlepool, the seven years he spent there, uh, seven seasons he spent there, and then obviously a little bit about Carlisle and leaving room for a bit of a part yeah. two, mate, all right? Yeah, brilliant. All right, man, absolutely appreciate your time, mate. Thank you so much. Um, let's do this. <laughs> uh, it'll be about 45, 45 minutes an hour, maybe something like that, I think, by the time I get with the questions. Um, right, here we go. <laughs> Excuse, excuse me for the introduction, sorry. Oh, Reet Maras, how's it going? And welcome back to the Blue Army podcast. This is one of our super, super, super special summer special episodes. And I am absolutely buzzing to be joined by a man who burst onto the footballing scene, winning Hartlepool United's Young Player of the Season award in his first full season as a professional in football, going on to play nearly 150 times for the club before joining Carlisle United, where his left-sided wizardry earned him not only a league trophy in 2011, but the the, uh, Player of the Season award winner for 2012-2013 campaign. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce the listeners of the Blue Army podcast to Matty Robson, Matt Robson, Super Matty Robson. How's it going, mate? It is going absolutely wonderfully, Liam. Um, absolutely <laughs> delighted to be on and uh, I was uh, I was pretty taken aback uh, when, I, when I got asked to do this, so I thought, you know what, can't turn, can't turn it down. 
<laughs> Man, I really appreciate you uh, joining me on the podcast today. And of course, the listeners are going to really enjoy this episode, mate. So really appreciate your time. I'll plow on with things, mate. I'll plow on with things. We have a bit of tradition around here when we have an ex-pro on the podcast. We have an icebreaker. We ask you all the same icebreaker, mate. And yeah. um, here it goes. In order to play professional football, you need to be blessed with a certain amount of core athletic attributes. So I'm talking about strength, I'm talking about agility, I'm talking about pace, and of course you'll train those over time. But the question is, Matthew, in a world where football never existed, how would you imagine you applying those traits how would you imagine maybe going into a different sport if you had to what sport would you have liked to have played professionally oh do you know what I mean it's a very very good question I've always considered myself to be quite sporty quite athletic um like a multitude of sports as do most uh, professional <laughs> athletes if I had to pick one do you know what? I might throw a curveball in at you here. Something that you probably might not expect. Water polo. Water polo? <laughs> I'm only joking. Um, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> it would be... Um, the go-to would be golf, but do you know what? I would, I would love having kind of start to follow it more and more frequently over the past number of years, rugby league. Rugby league. All right. Okay. Okay. League over Um, union. Why is that? Just the speed of of, of league. I think that the speed of the game is, it's it's right up there. The intensity, you know, it's nonstop. It's on the go. In a way, it is a bit similar to football. It is literally non-stop for 80 minutes obviously you, you get your breathers and half time but it is non-stop um you know it's, it's a sport that i've now started to follow um but yeah I, I'd, I'd probably pick rugby league if i could i mean fair i mean you did get me with water polo mate you really did um <laughs> but you hear a lot of golf and you hear a lot of like ping pong so you hear a lot of sort of like yeah. single person sports um, yeah. But uh, that's that's still a new one, mate. League's a new one. Water polo would have been a bit far fetched, but league yeah, still. That, that, um, I, I wanted to see a reaction. Um, <laughs> well, I think I, I trapped him out there. Um, but no, yeah, I you think, saw... like you say, golf, golf would have been the one that uh, I would probably say upwards of 80% would go for, which, and I, don't get me wrong, I love playing it, but it's an individual sport, individual sport, sorry, nothing beats team sport, nothing beats it. Um, so having that sort of uh, rugby league and, and, and the team camaraderie would have been would have been my second choice, yeah. Yeah, fair. I played a bit of rugby league as well. I enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed it. I can see where you would be coming from. And your speed would have left yourself as it. I mean, are you are you left-handed as well as left-footed? Is that is that a thing? I'm a full-on lefty. Full-on left-handed. Ah, right, okay, okay. So that that that's, yeah. that probably affects the way you throw a ball as well. Um, strangely enough, I throw it to me right. Ah, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I'm quite an oddball. They're golf right-handed, um, pretty much everything else left-handed. It, it's pretty odd, yeah. 
bit mad. That's a bit mad. That's a bit yeah, mad. I'll tell you mad. what else is a bit mad, mate. At the football club at the moment, what's been going on at Carlisle United, one of your former teams, and you'll be able to, to relate to this, and that's why I want to get your insight on it. There's a lot of releases that have been happening. There's a lot of contract offers that get happening. Um, it just popped into my head today. What what happened? Are you all sat outside in a waiting room, like looking at each other awkwardly, or do you all have a time <laughs> for your meeting? Or like, how does that how does that work? Yeah, I think in in, in my case, um, I think the writing was on the wall um, for a period of time, so I knew it it, it was it, it was going to happen. Um, but we all are given sort of it's a sort of hash. I think it was like 15, 20 minute slots, <laughs> but. As it is and had been throughout the season, lads, you know, used to turn up early, have the crack. We used to go into the dress. We, we sat in the dressing room, you know, had the crack with each other because sometimes meetings would overrun. So you would drop into others. And um, so you are, I would think, also sat there in the dressing room or, you know, whether it's outside the the, the management's office. Um, but yeah, you know, whether it went one or two ways, you would either pop back along the corridor, say goodbyes, that's me done. Um, or, you know, it's gone the other way. You've been offered, offered a new deal. But I think each each individual is different. In my case, you know, it was possibly the last last time that I would see many of the guys there. So, you know, um, it was kind of, you know, whoever was there to, to say me goodbyes. That's a bit emotional then. Fair enough. I've just got I've just got, got this awkward scene in my head of like players in like suits and tracksuits <laughs> just sitting cross-legged in a waiting room. I just yeah. popped into my head today. Um, obviously, what else comes towards the end of the season is that the lone players have to go back to the parent clubs. And this season, a lot of Carlisle fans fell in love with a particular Carlisle loan sign. And, that, and again, your perspective as, as an ex-player, I mean, and a player, have you ever... Uh, fell in love with a loan signing and be, is, is that a bit different you know they're not they're not sort of like leaving the club permanently a loan signing I, th- I think through my time uh, at Carlisle we went through a real purple patch of, of having some fantastic loany players not all worked out for whatever reason um, but there were some real diamonds that we got through uh, you look at like Sir Jim Chester Ben Marshall uh, Adam Clayton, you know, we, we had some fantastic talent come through the door. You, you now look as far as Corey Evans, didn't really work out. He's gone on to play copious amounts of international football. He's, He's done all right, though. <laughs> Ollie Norwood, you know, there's, there's some that haven't sort of uh, gone on to, to do what, you know, I think was, was sort of expected of them. But yeah, we went through uh, a real purple patch and I think um, you know, Jordan Pickford, another one. Um, so, you know, it's, I think during my period, we were blessed with some fantastic talent. Um, was I sad to see that any of them go? Yeah, quite a few of them. You, you know, I think we would have loved to have, keep, have kept hold of, you know, a vast majority of them and, and to watch them develop with, with Carlisle. But, you know, yeah. the performances were that, were that good and, and you could see they had that bit, bit of quality, a bit of extra something. And um, so it was, you know, it was, it was always understandable that, you know, they, they left Carlisle and went on to, to, to sort of bigger their sort of career um, at other clubs, which was a shame. But I think the time that we had with them, you know, they, they really helped uh, and, you know, sort of lifted the level of us as well. So it, it, I think it worked well. 
Yeah, there was, there was definitely a lot of signings during your period at Carlisle United on loan that really stood out and really stood the test of time and went on to have had some really good careers. But like at the moment, I feel like being in a League Two position, you, 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 the loan market's more, of, more and more of a risk the lower and lower down you go, especially when you're trying to get them from from, from the higher leagues, the youth academy yeah. sort of players and stuff. Um, but yeah, we, we fell in love with a player called Daniel Simeu this year. And uh, I mean, all the best to him at Southampton, all the best to him at Southampton. Uh, we do like to cover a bit of current news, but obviously this is going to be a summer special episode, but I feel like people are still be talking about this. The big news that has broken uh, in the last 24 hours is that Haaland is signing for Manchester City for £51 million. That doesn't sound like a lot of money to me. Um, Haaland's probably in the top, definitely in the top 10 players in the world, top five strikers mm-hmm. in the world, absolutely. Um, what, are, what are your views on that as a transfer? Uh, I think you've hit, hit the nail on the head. £51 million in today's market is a drop in the ocean. It is an absolute steal for a player of, what is he, 21? Yeah. If that, you know, he's, he's expected to be one of the, the next top talents up there with Mbappe and, and, a, and a few others. And to get him for 51 million into a team like Man City, you know, I think that's an absolute coup. Um, I think you could be talking potentially, you know, I think there's a lot of things go with big money transfers and you've seen, well, we have seen some of them fall flat on the face. But there's a lot of things that obviously need to go right. I think they'll probably invest in more players. They will lose players. But I guess it's to be seen if Pep Guardiola says, well, who knows? But I think putting him in that team with that manager, yeah, I mean, it's an absolute steal. 51 million for him. Oh, it's, it's going to change things next year. It's going to change the way Manchester City have to play football next season. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. There's going to be a different system. It's going to be something different. It's going to be something new for the Premier League to have to deal with. Um, mate, let's get, the, let's get the topic onto what people are really here to listen to. And that's <laughs> you, mate. People want to know more and more about you. People want to know where you came from. So, of course, the first question is... Uh, Marty Robson, you were born in 1985. Sorry, mate, I have to do it. Uh, You were born in 1985. What are your first memories of kicking a football? Was it in the front garden? Was it in the streets? What what, what was that at school? When did you first get into just kicking a football? Yeah, I think my my first memories of of kicking a football were in my grandparents' yard. Um, It may have just been around... Christmas of, how old it might make me sound, 89, 90. I was bought my first summer trip, um, big Vox um, summer kit, straight on out out in the out in the street in the in the backyard, um, kicking a ball about, um, and I think it was from then I, I kind of got the bug. My old man played local level football, nothing, you know, nothing too too serious. He was sat there level football. Um, it was a couple of steps below the Northern League. Um, but I used to follow him every Saturday. I used to go and do the warm up, kick the ball at the net, you know, watch them play in cup finals. And, and to them, it meant a lot. And it kind of just snowballed. You know, I went into school and started playing for the school team three years earlier than what I should have. Took it to secondary school, you played district, county level football. Um, and then got picked up. Um, I'd have spells at 
Sunderland. Um, hey, like, what age, what um, age are you when you sort of like start realizing you're better than other people at football? Like, what, what age are you when that's like, is that is that school level then? Are you sort of realizing you're better than your classmates, better than the year above? Like, when people start, think, when do you get noticed? I guess. I think, yeah, I think at primary school, I thought, you know, I'm, you know, I'm capable of of doing a lot more than what other people were, and even beyond my age. Um, but it took. You know, it took a long time for me to, to actually understand it. For me, I was just playing football. Okay. And when I started getting sort of picked up at 10, 11 year old at Sunderland, that was too early for me. I wasn't interested. You know, I, I used to go train at the Charlie Hurley Centre with my best mate who got picked up at the same time. And I was too busy watching the planes fly over. I was like amazed by the planes. <laughs> so it was, it, was too, it was too early for me. Um, and it, it, it was just... It was too kind of intense, too sort of regimented what you want. You know, in, in hindsight, you look back and it's actually something that a lot of the kids are doing now. And But it, for me, it was, it was I, I enjoyed sort of just playing, having a laugh with my mates. I didn't really know kind of my ability at that level and that, you know, I was too sort of focused on it. Um, what level? So what I, level were you, were you getting onto then? What level was it when when people started pointing at you and being like, "Well, you're you're decent. You you can go to the next the next step." And yeah. and, and when I when's think, that bit happening? I mean, I, I'd left then and ended up going to Wolverhampton after that for the odd um, weekends. Wolverhampton Wanderers. Hartlepool came knocking, and I went and trained. And at the time, I was 13, 13 year old, maybe 13, 14 year old. And I, and I had a look around and I was like, again, it just didn't feel right. So I continued playing and, you know, enjoying the football. And they came knocking again at 15 year old. Um, so I started playing and, you know, behold, I got offered a, a YTS. I was starting to get taken out of school at sort of 15, 16 year old to go and play. What? What's that whole buzz like, man? What's that whole buzz like? Like when you first, you know, like as people jealous of you in the playground, you're well, you getting it, lifted yeah. out. Like what's what's that whole thing like? You, you know, you must start you, getting you noticed know, a bit. You, you, you know, you, you become sort of not, not a target as such, but you become like, oh, there's the, you know, there's the golden boy going out. He's, but it was generally half a day Wednesday because I think we used to play in what was the Pontons Reserve League at the time. Right. It, two o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon um, so I would leave it you know whether it be the Wednesday morning if we were playing away game so yeah I, start, I started doing this so I think from kind of then on in I was like right okay there's something there's something that could be had here and you know I started to to, to knuckle down I started to accept that that is the way my career was going to go um, you know I took my eye off off school as you would, um, you know, and I started to focus on it. So I got the YTS at 16, let's go. Um, and I've always been one who wants to win everything. And if I wasn't at the front, I was last. So when we got a pre-season, I was, I was the one who was ultra competitive, wanted to win the races, wanted to, to sort of smash, you know, uh, performance record. That was me. And if, yeah. if I didn't do it, I would, I would get annoyed. And I think it was one or two years after me first YTS, started training and doing pre-season with the first team. And again, it was in my head that it was totally acceptable for me to just blast away 
because I was capable of doing it. I was fit, you know, I was young. You know, get back <laughs> in, you know, like, bring me back in. And, um, but yeah, it, it was from them, you know, it was a part of my game that, you know, I knew I could rely on. You know, I might not have been the most technically gifted, you know, um, you know, most attractive player on the eye, but I knew what my strengths were. I knew what my strengths were. I was quicker and I was powerful and I kind of utilised that over the next few years. I mean, like, what were, you, what were your sort of YTS years, uh, like, uh, in terms of your cleaning boots regime, uh, the ice baths, filling up the ice baths? Like, what was all that like about Hartlepool? Yeah, it, it, it was brilliant. Whose boots um, were you cleaning, I remember, sorry? I remember I was on a guy called Mark Tinkler's boots, who at the time was an absolute icon um, at Hartlepool. He's a, he's, a, he's a legend. You know, he, he spent time in in uh, the Leeds Academy. He was a, I think he was England captain at one point at under 16, under 18 level. Um, they've been beyond that, but he was a fantastic servant. And, you know, I was on his boots. Um, we, we lived not too far away. So generally the, the lads would clean the boots on, on, the, on the Friday night or whatever it was um, and leave them in the dressing rooms or, you know, uh, put them in the boot bag. Me, again, it was something that, I prided myself on it. I used to take them home, you know, really polish them, dub them, and then I used to get take them, get someone to take me to drop them off at his house and give them them personally. So he had them to <laughs> didn't go missing. Um, I used to take them to his house. Um, obviously, you, you couldn't do that for away games. You had to go and skip. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, I, I think it, it kind of got to the point where the whole YTS. Before me, it was really intense and it was kind of dialing down a bit. Um, so I think we got away quite lightly. Yes, we did have to take, you know, equipment out for the first team and leave it. Um, but it was mainly um, sort of boot, boot cleaning, all that type of stuff. We didn't have to collect the training kit in and, and take it to the laundry. There was none of that. Um, so it, it, it was quite easy, really. Um, I got away quite easy. But, you know, it was, it was a good pro to to sort of um, work with, um, you know, I, I would like to think, I mean, he, he helped me a lot. You know, we, we spent a lot of time together, obviously playing pro with him as well. Um, but no, he, he, was, he was fantastic to me. Um, you know, he, he kept me in my place, but, you know, rewarded me at the right time as well when, tip, you know, for the, for the duty that I did. So, yeah, it kept me grounded. Um, I think I've always been that person who has been grounded. Um, you know, it, it's, something that was just kind of instilled to me from from the likes of, of, of Mark and, and and Mickey and Richie who were, were all like you know good humble humble lads never got beyond you know their expectations and you know they kept everyone grounded and I think for our youth team and my sort of teammates you know they really kept a good hold on the dressing room never anyone we never had a big time Charlie of the of the youth team coming through um and I think at that period of time in Hartlepool's sort of timeline, the, the, the success, and I guess w- without lifting too many trophies, you know, they were pushing for sort of playoff uh, finals in, in League One. And, and I think that all came down to, you know, the experienced pros that kept 
the young lads coming through grounded and it really we really had a good mix uh, of lads and I think you know the the it kept the tight hold on 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 the dressing room. Yeah, I mean, there, there were definitely a lot of lads. I mean, when you went into the team and beyond that, obviously you played a lot of games. And by the time you got up to your sort of like century in appearances, there, there was a lot of players around you that still dwarfed you in terms of appearances for Hartlepool at that level of football. Um, you made the jump to first team football and I've seen, unfortunately, conflicting stories, mate. So I'll have to edit this. Was it Mike Newell or Niall Cooper? Neil Cooper. Was it Neil Cooper? Yeah. So you made so, the jump yeah. to first team football under Neil Cooper. I mean, what was that like? What was the conversation like? Did, was it so, a surprise or gone? Where the conflict was supposed to be, I was in a squad with Mike Neil, but I was ne- so I was in and around the first team, obviously with them reserve reserve team football with, and at that time, you know, it, it didn't matter if you. It played 60 minutes on the Saturday or, or whatever. If you came on at half time, you were playing reserve team football. So, you know, you were always in and around the the, the sort of reserves. Um, so I started getting drafted into into squads, uh, traveling, you know, not making a bench, went down to the old Vets field in Swansea. Um, so I did some, you know, really tough, uh, tough, tough away legs uh, without playing. Uh, but it was actually Neil Cooper that gave me. Um, my debut, uh, I think it was a um, league debut was 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 Peterborough, I think, yeah, um, and the old saying, I think Barry Pride called kind of little fish, and you know <laughs> we, we're not going to do anything, we're not going to do anything in this league, and um, yeah, we ended up, it was a, it was a real sort of basketball game, and yeah, I think we were getting beat three one at one point, I believe, and ended up winning five three. Um, scored on my debut, um, as did four other players. So I think, uh, no, it was four three. Sorry, yeah, we we're getting beat three one. Ended up winning four three, and all four debutants scored on on the debut, which was, you know, it was absolutely ecstatic, and um, you know, it was it was pretty surreal because you know you never expect it, but as you start going through the game and you and you're going through the training week and you get the Thursday and Friday and you're doing team shape and and you're looking around and it's like, oh, you know, I've got a chance here at starting. Um, and and it, at the time, you know, it was, I was like 18, 19 year old and it was kind of carefree and it was just go out and play, enjoy, like, you know, enjoy yourself. And, and I think, you know, at, at that period of time, that team that we had was, I think was, was all that, you know, no one gave us any, any hope at all in achieving anything. Um, but I think we, we we really sort of shocked a few people um, and end up getting to the playoff final. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you you had a number of of ups and downs while you were at Hartlepool. You were there for a long time. You were there for seven years. But when you made your debut, there was a friend of the show. Uh, that was also in the Hartlepool team. And I'm talking about Paul Arneson. He's been on the show before. Uh, what was a young Paul Arneson like? Obviously, you were a little bit younger. <laughs> I was a little bit younger, yeah. Paul was obviously, you know, he, he was he was a hard pull lad, and uh, you know, again, full of energy. And um, he was probably one of the characters with the dressing room, quite slightly mischievous, you know, up for a laugh. But again, he come from he came from good stock, being at Newcastle. Um, 
you know, so he'd been in and around sort of real top level players as well. So amongst all the all the jokes and the and, the, and kind of the the jovial stuff that he brought, there was a real like level of professionalism. Um, you know, he he was a winner as well. He wanted to win, and um, yeah, and obviously he was proud to play for his hometown on club. Um, you know, so yeah, he, he had a lot of the dressing room, did Annie. <laughs> Obviously, as his time went on, I'm sure he got a bit more comfortable. <laughs> um, I mean, the following season after making your debut, you started to have a couple of more appearances with the club, having a little bit more uh, sort of consistency. Um, who were the pros that were taking you under the wing? Who was taking all were the people that were taking competition a little bit too seriously in the team? What are your memories of just trying to break through and trying to learn? Yeah, and that was it, you know. I guess at the age I was, you know, to, to play any game was a bonus because of the, the, the players we had there at the time. Um, but, you know, through my willingness and, and endeavour and training, wanting to do better, wanting to, to sort of push, so I guess, my boundaries and, you know, improve myself physically and, you know, all that type of stuff. You know, I, I got me breaks, um, you know, and... I, as others did to me further down my career, I started keeping players out of the squad. But at that, you know, at that period of time, what we were at, you know, it was really good, healthy competition, and you know, we were all driving each other on, and you know, and it, and it showed. You know, we were putting on fantastic performances. We were, you know, we were entertaining, and everyone wanted a part of it. So, um, it was kind of for me. I was riding a crest of the wave, and. I was just taking each each game as a come. Um, but yeah, it was brilliant. You know, my I think you know in in that squad I, I mentioned Mark Tinkler. We had Gordon Watson, um, uh, Richie Humphreys, Michael Barron, Michael Nelson, Chris Westwood. Um, we, we we had some fantastic players. Adam Boyd, who was still they were still young lads, but they had games under the belt, and and they knew the way around the block already. Um, yeah, so there, there was some. Fantastic players in there. Daryl Clark was now sort of manager um, and gone on to management. We had some real, real good, good individuals, good lads for the dressing rooms. And, you know, whether they were playing or not playing, they were still offering support. There was no bitterness. There was no, you know, ah, you know, I'm going I'm to sort of put him out of training. I want to play. There was none of that. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was real competitive, competitive edge. Everyone wanted to, Everyone wanted to be playing, kind of spurred each other on. Good man, good. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's like it, it, it's obviously you're gonna have a bit of competitiveness when it comes to that level of football as well, because I mean, you want to go up, you don't want to go down. So if you're not playing first yeah. team football mm-hmm. at that level, things get a bit scary, maybe. And, and you are playing for incomes and people that have been in the game for a while. It, it's very understandable, mate. It's very understandable. And. You got promoted, mate, as runners-up. Um, you're playing in the team. You got promoted as runners-up. You must have been a lot about town. There must have been people recognising who's and you were. There must have been people around the place realising, hey, hey, that's Matty Robson. You must have been getting some interest from the ladies. Or were you constant <laughs> professional, mate? Was What was your vibe at that no, age? <laughs> you know, I think we, we, we did have nights out. You know, we... I think then that that's what was good about it. There was, you know, a, a good mix. We're all pretty much local to the area, not exactly from Hartlepool, but 
yes, we had lads who had relocated from, from, from down south, but they all lived there and thereabouts. So, we, you know, we, we, we did sort of have the Tuesday club from training. We used to go into Durham. And, and it was just the thing that we used to do. You just go to a pub around the corner from the training ground, have some food, have some beers, go into Durham, Newcastle, whatever. But everyone came. All the first team came. There was no one. I can't make it. Yes, there might have been the odd occasion, but in it, it, it the, the team spirit at the time was was brilliant. Um, you know, again, I was sort of never one that was like, "Oh, look at me," because I'm I'm from a little village in Coxo, like in, in County Durham, so I call Coxo, and it's like I did I didn't really know much else, really. Yes, obviously I'd started to play football, but. I don't know what it was, but yes, I would have loved to play, you know, at a real top level. Who wouldn't? But, you know, I think I was quite real in terms of who I was. I thought, no, I might have to come back here. I might have to work. I'm not going to, might not have all the luxury. So I kind of, you know, became grounded. I say, have, 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 have I used oh, I'm a footballer? Well, of course I have. But, you know, um, <laughs> it was, I think, yeah, and it goes back to, to the, the lads who, the senior lads that we were playing with at the time, like you said, they kept you grounded. Um, they never let you get above your station, which which was I think really important. I mean, the following season things don't start very well, and therefore the manager gets the chop, and Martin Scott comes in. I mean, that's your sort of first real experience of being taken under a manager's wing, going into the first team, being his first choice, and then they leave, and now you have to prove yourself to a new manager. What do you remember that experience being like when you started bringing in uh, new players? And, and I mean, what was it just like as a manager? Yeah, so Martin Scott obviously was, was Neil's assistant uh, sometimes, so, you know, handy, oh. you know, so I think it wasn't so much a... Uh, you know, a, a change of manager kind of he took over. Um, so, you know, he already knew sort of what all the lads were capable of. But you're right, you know, he, he'll have had other ideas of, you know, where he thought he could strengthen and, and bring in new players and, and the links that he had and stuff. So, but again, you know, you can't let what goes on outside the club affect what you're trying to do sort of day to day. If he's bringing people in, you know, it might not be a case that he's trying to get you out. He's just adding competition. You know, it's it's good. He's adding options. You know, it, it, and that that's what it was. That kind of never really got too distracted from that. Um, was I upset when I didn't play? Of course I was. You know, I wanted to play every game. Um, you know, did I think? You know, it was it was a personal attack. No, but I mean, it it, it hurt me. It hurt me saying why 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 you know why why am I not playing? What what have I done wrong? And um, and I think. That's probably was a part of of I guess the probably the weakness that I had was it probably affected my confidence a bit. But you know, it was I never thought it was uh, kind of an, an attack on on myself or anyone else to bring other players in. It's it's just football, really. You know, that's that's the nature of the beast. You know, it's um, it's the way that it football continued to be, um, and it, you, you've got to. You've got to continue to evolve, or you, you get you stand still and get left behind. That, that's that's where football is. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Paul Martin Scott didn't last very long, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and there was a new manager brought in. He was a part of the first team squad. Paul Stevenson was brought in. And that was the man who you signed your first pro deal with, I believe. Like, it took it took that long no. for you to get your first pro deal? No, go on, tell the story. I think my, I signed my first pro deal. God, you're testing me here. <laughs> um, yeah, you are testing me here. Let me see. It was Chris Turner, Colin Woods when I was in the in the youth team. Colin West, sorry, in the youth team. Then Neil Cooper came in. Martin Scott, Paul Stevenson, then I believe went in interim charge. But I've already, already signed kind of pro forms. At least I think I did. Now I'm questioning stuff. No, it's been that long ago. So. You're right. I mean, in, in whichever way, the I I sort of played alongside Paul in reserve team football, and again, you kind of knew what many of the of the lads were capable of. Um, which again, I guess it, it's kind of brave of Hartlepool at the time to you know to stick to guys within who who know who know the squad. And know what they are capable of, who can who maybe just have fresh ideas. But yeah, um I, I knew Paul and again he, he knew a lot of the squad um who came in and, and spent some time there at the, at the, at the managerial seat. Yeah. We did quite well when he was put in charge. And um it, does it surprise you that he's not gone on to do more in management, like actual first team management? Yeah, it's, I mean, like you say, once I think once you get in that position and I think the it's it's like anything you get you get the bug, don't you? Um, but there's also the side again that not many players see. We don't see what's going on behind the scenes and how you know how many hurdles you have to get over to get certain things done, or how how political it is. And it, it may have been that you know you didn't want that full. You know, I want to be the key masabi at the top. I don't want that, and it may I'm I'm happy doing coaching level, and it, it, it it's not for everyone, but you know. For some people, it's like, yeah, I, you know what? I, I like this managerial stuff. And yeah, I, I think it's it's like anything, you know, you, you find your niche that where you're going to excel at. Um, and I think maybe it's on, on reflection. Or maybe thought, you know what? I'm, I'm quite happy doing that, the coaching level, support and stuff, um, which he's very good at, by the way. Um, but he, he, Paul was always someone who was really encouraging, really, really positive, And, you know, he never let you doubt yourself. And, you know, he'd give you a pat on the back and give you a bit of banter, but he was super, super encouraging. <laughs> I mean, one of the reasons Martin lost his job, unfortunately, was because they lost uh, a, a shock FA Cup loss to Tamworth uh, was one of the contributing factors towards that, from what I've read. Um, what are your memories of a uh, shock FA Cup exits? Yeah, um, I've probably been on... And of a few Tamworth, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I remember uh, remember that game, and I think the dressing room after was was not a pleasant place to be, and um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm sure it still goes on where you know there's things getting punched, there's not 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 physically punched, but you no know, walls and things getting kicked out of place, and and the verbals, and it, it really wasn't a nice place to be, in it it was a it was probably a place where I'd never been too many times in my career at that point. Um, and you, you, you could see the anger and, and the aggression that was coming out of the players at how sort of 
I guess, pissed off they were at, at going out. Not just the Tamworth, because, you know, it, it could be anyone. I think it was more the manner of the defeat. I think, you know, it was a, a lot of disappointment. I think things were said, you know, in, the, in that meeting where it was kind of like, oh, and I think from then it kind of kind of spiralled out of control and it kind of was was needed that the dressing room kind of needed sort of freshen up and moving on because it it, it was it was quite quite fractious um, after that. But yeah, I mean it, you, you see, I think you accept being beat, but if if you if you're not it, the manner of the performance, if it's not there, then it, it's going to be highlighted. And yeah. It, Unfortunately, it was. I mean, the flip side of that is, of course. I mean, have you ever been on the on the side of a giant killer? And have you ever have you ever done that? Um, yeah, we played in a couple. Um, I think we played. I can't recall if they were in the in the in the championship or in the Premiership at one time. Um, but we played Stoke, beat them in the FA Cup, uh, I believe, and uh, ended up playing again. And I'm probably forgetting. Some things here, but I don't think we'd caused too many. But I do recall playing against, um, let's say Stoke in, a, in an FA Cup game, which obviously no one expected us to win, um, and, and, we, and we did in the in the FA Cup. And that they were the type of games where you could go in with that, you know, bit of freedom, you know, a bit of, ah, oh, you know, we've got nothing to lose type thing. And yes, they may have had that must a bit be exciting, man. Yeah, you know, you, you might have that bit extra quality, but I guarantee you're not going to work hard as us. That that was kind of the mentality and the kind of team talk that we're given. You know, they might be better, but you'll they'll not work as hard as it. And do you know what? We didn't. Um, but yeah, we, we played against some real top teams, and I think it, you know you appreciate that little bit of extra quality. Uh, I mean, we played against West Ham, um, and yeah, it was. I think I mean I played that game, and the, and the kid I played against, uh, he must have had. A, Barnstorming game against me. A couple of weeks later, he got to move to Real Madrid. I thought, get up there, son. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember his name? <laughs> Julian Faubert. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, Julian Faubert. Yeah, I remember Julian Faubert. Yeah. <laughs> and he got a rad move out to Real Madrid. I was like, was he really that good? And I'm thinking, oh, he must have been. He got to move to Real Madrid. I was like, yeah, fair play. Um, but yeah, no, we, I think. From a time at Hartlepool, we, we were quite lucky to have some brilliant games. And I think to this day, I think we Hartlepool still hold the away attendance record at Stadium of Life for a cup game, I believe. Um, we played there, I think there was pretty much a sellout. We took the end of 10,000 people there, um, which was a fantastic occasion. You know, being a Sunderland fan, um, to, to, to not only play there once, I played there twice, obviously, with. I played there with Carlisle, you know, it was, you know, it was spine-tingly good, uh, the atmosphere, it was, so I've been quite lucky uh, in my career to, to experience, you, you know, some some fantastic atmospheres and, um, yeah, it's something, you know, I look back on fondly, really, because, you know, a kid from a village with, I guess, you know, I, I was lucky, yeah, I, I, I was super lucky, uh, but I enjoyed every minute of it. 
they and um, the FA Cup. That's why they call it magic, isn't it? And in, in 2006, in terms of your playing career, in 2006, unfortunately, Hartlepool were relegated from League One into League Two. At that time, you must have been one of the biggest, uh, one of the best assets at the club as a young talent coming through, exciting, scoring goals. I mean, were you not tempted to try and get a move to stay in League One? Um, do you know what? I, I think this probably was a bit naive. At, at the time, you know, I, I was still, you know, relatively, relatively young. Um, I didn't, I don't think at that time I had an agent um, to, so I didn't, and I didn't go out my way to, to sort of make contact at the club. You know, I, I, I guess I, I was going to accept what was going to happen. Um, so, you know, my, my career prolonged with, with Hartlepool and, you know, you know, I was absolutely delighted. Um, you know, they gave me my, my opportunity in, in pro football. And, you know, I, I still felt I had um, had something to give. Um, getting relegated is, is absolutely disgusting. Um, it is a real stomach sinking feeling. It, it's, it's awful. Um, um, it hurt. Um, but obviously, we, we, I guess we had that belief if we could retain, you know, the core body of that, that squad. We'd, 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 we'd get back, uh, the, the Hartlepool would get back up to that level. And, um, yeah, but in terms of, you know, looking elsewhere, no, my eyes weren't turned. I think, you know, you, you look back, had I had, you know, that, that, I guess, that support behind the scenes. And I guess as much, you, you hear a, a lot spoken of, of agents and, and how interfering they can be. And, um, you know, the, it's all about the money, you know. But I think there are some genuine you know, in fact, a lot of genuine agents out there who, who do for the greater good, who have either been ex-players themselves, they know what it's about. Uh, but at, at, at the time, I, I didn't. Um, you know, I, I didn't have one. Um, you know, and my, my time at, at Hartlepool extended. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you did bounce back. And one of the reasons you bounced back, we, we, we've both kind of spoken about it a little bit already during this uh, interview was the fact that you retained a lot of players that have already played a lot of games for the club of Hartlepool. I'm talking about Demetrius Konstopanapolos. I hope I got that yeah. right. Ethan Williams, uh, Michael Nelson was still there, Anthony Sweeney, Mark Twinkler and yourself notching up over a thousand appearances for the club at that time and obviously more so now. Um Still great friends, still see them often. Um, I mean, yeah. what's 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 uh, Demetrius up to these days? <laughs> so Dimmy is part, or he is part of the coaching staff there. Um, he, he he dipped into sort of coaching at um, obviously his playing career went on for years and into Middlesbrough and 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 what have you. He did end up starting to play Northern League level. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he, he's still sort of involved in the coaching side of things there, I believe. Um, you know, Nicky Barron, um, outside of pro football, ended up working with him again at, at the Children in the Northern League. And he still, you know, he still had that same, you know, uh, you know, drive for football, still wanted to win. And, and you could see it, you know, in dressing rooms again when things didn't go well. You could see that, you know, that desire to win. And um, so, yeah, although, you know, our lives have all vastly changed and we, and we move on. Um, you know, I think when we there are get-togethers and there's events that are carried out, you know, getting that squad back together, it, it, it's fantastic. 
if you know if I was to see them at football games where we've played and we've we've trained, you know, it's we get on and and speak really well. So it's it, at that time, you know, I was fortunate to play with such such good lads. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you guys got promoted. You're back in League One. And there was obviously a lot of changes. You bring a lot of players in. You've had to say hello and goodbye to a lot of work colleagues at your time at Hartlepool. I mean, are you firmly in that group at that time, or, or you know, are new people allowed to come in and out, or what was what's what's the changing room like when players are coming in and out? And, and that's the thing. The changing room was so good. Um, it, it, do you know what? I've, I've never been part of a bad bad changing room. So again, you know. I think again, I've been quite lucky. You know, as as, as footballers, you know, you, you expect that there's going to be change. You know, you expect that there's going to people come and go. That is that is football, um, and ultimately you have to accept that. But there's no point trying to be blockers or anything like that because, you know, ultimately it's going to protect performances on the field. So you have to accept the main, and that's what we did. Um, and yeah, I think like you say. The change rooms that I've been a part of, they, they were an absolute pleasure. Um, a real, real good mix um, of, of sort of youthfulness and, and experience. And um, I think, you know, that's, you know, I guess why Hartlepool did bounce back straight away. They really sort of integrated new players well and, um, and it, it was absolutely brilliant. And you managed to stay up, obviously. Um, I mean, I've got a weird question, man. Did you swap from the number 18 shirt to the number 19 shirt that season for some reason? Um, I might have. I, I think uh, if I look back on my career, I think I've won quite a substantial amount of shirt numbers. I don't know yeah, why. I, I, don't, I, think, I, don't know. I was just kind of thinking, is it a superstitious thing? Like, I don't know. Uh, I think I had 25, 23, 18, 19, <laughs> three. Um, I, I had quite a few, I think. Ah, fair dues, man, fair dues. Uh, you guys stayed in the division. Uh, there's a manager change. Danny Wilson goes out. Chris Turner comes in. And it's under Chris Turner you leave and uh, you sign for Carlisle United. What was your relationship like with Turner when you left? The relationship was fine. Um, I think there's uh, a lot of misconception that I got released. Um, actually, I actually left. Um, they offered me a new deal. Um, but at the time of my career, I was, what, 24, 25, um, and I wanted to play football. And like you say, with, with change, you, you bring in new players and, you know, you maybe not playing as much or you're getting little spells here and there. You play and you might come back fit and you, you put you on the bench. And so at, at, at the time, you know, I was really wanting to, to play. They offered me a deal to stay and... I only had to think about it for a couple of days. Um, I, I looked at the deal and I thought, I'm, I'm not going to play much here because, you know, I'm, I'm not sort of here to speak numbers, but I wanted to play and my appearance money was kind of pretty much on par with my, my weekly salary. So I thought, you know, I'm, I'm not going to play much if you're going to be based around appearance money. So, and I, and it was a gamble. A gamble. I left with nothing. I left with nothing. Um, I had nothing to go to, but you know, I, I didn't want to, to just to take something that was in front of me because I, I knew it wasn't the right thing to do. Um, and I kind of backed, backed myself that I, I could find a club, whether I had to go on trial, whatever it was. 
Um, and that's it. I left. Um, it was no hard feelings at all. I am forever grateful of Hartlepool for giving me my opportunity in, in football. I, I learned a lot. I developed a lot. I met some fantastic people. I'm still in touch with people. And relationships are still good. Um, but it was a, it was the right thing to do. Not only for me, but for the club. Um, you know, I'd been there sort of from 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 a white yes uh, position, and yeah, it, it, it was the right time. Um, so I left, um, and then had a kind of few weeks to sort of move things over and holiday and stuff, um, and then ended up on the phone with Greg Abbott um, mm-hmm. at Carlisle. Um, went over for a chat and immediately hit it off. Um, invited me over. We, we we had a we had a discussion. We had a we had a bit of chat. Um, uh, met with Mr. Chairman, Mr. Jenkins, um, uh, and. A, a, you know, a few other John and Stephen with the board. Um, and, you know, immediately said, we, we, we want you over here. Um, and something kind of just just felt right. Um, you know, I guess you're looking at it geographically, it wasn't too sort of far away from where, where I was based. Um, I think the, the ambition and what they wanted to, to achieve and what they were saying was right for me. Um, so yeah, it was it was, it was a no-brainer. Um, so I, I I signed, you know, and, and there was kind of no looking back. And um, I guess the 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 rest is, is history. And yeah, it was something. You know, I was I was grateful uh, of, of Greg and Carlisle for at the time. I mean, I mean, it sounds great, man, because Greg Abbott has just recently signed up with Carlisle United once again to be the recruitment manager uh, for Paul Simpson, who's now in charge as manager. So, I mean, like your story bodes well in terms of his credentials, because like you said, you guys hit it off. Um, so, so man, great times, great times. You signed for Carlisle in 2009. Uh, you've just obviously spoken about your introduction to Greg Abbott, but what was your introduction to the city like? Um, what were your first impressions of Carlisle? Was there anything that stood out for you? A landmark, a bar, um, any place you used to frequent? <laughs> I had that little sandwich shop just right next to the club shop. I don't know if it's there anymore. Can't remember uh, what it's, it's, it's called. a bakery yeah. thing still. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, it's, it's not still bakery, sandwiches. Yeah. yeah, man. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the afternoon for when I went back across the 69. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, um, it was um, obviously quite quite a you know quite a big city and um, the the people are you know are similar to to the people over in the northeast you know the welcome and the friendly the you know the the happy to speak to you um, obviously the, the the town center was sort of a lot bigger than what I was used to and had a bit more going on um, so yeah it was it, it, it was a nice introduction I thought yeah it, it's it, it's really nice here and I think for the first sort of year, I think it was first year and a year or two. Um, you know, I I, I lived in Diggs on, on the front street of Warwick Road, um, to the left of the shop, and then they got another house to the right, sort of a few years later. So obviously for, for games and um various sort of training, I, I would stay overnight after training. Um we'd sort of go out for, for food. Um Casa Romana, was that one up there? Um <laughs> Is that Casa Romana? Yeah, man, that's still there, it's still there, the Italian, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, you know, you used to get well looked after in there, so, yeah, it was, um, you know, it, 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 it was absolutely, you know, it couldn't have, it couldn't have dreamt it, going to a new club could have gone any better. Um, 
you know, the the dressing room was really good, welcoming. Again, had some fantastic characters in. Um, so yeah, I think I settled into life there um, straight away. Still, still had that um, going into preseason. I'm gonna beat everyone um, mentality. You know, fitter and stronger. And yeah, I still went in that. Nothing changed. Um, it was just breaking my new dressing room. Yeah, breaking records in a changing room with Graham Kavner in it. Yeah. I mean, like, what was, yeah. I mean, I've got two more questions for you, mate, by the way. So I, I don't want to take too much more yeah. of your time. I've got two more questions for you, mate. What was it like going into a changing room? Like you said, with your personality, where you want to run out and beat everybody and be the best at training, were you surrounded by people like Peter Murphy, Graham Kavner, and Vincent Pericard? Like, what are those attitudes like when they're watching you sprinting around? So, yeah, obviously, Murphy had been there some time and, yeah, Danny Livesey, Bridgie, um, Farewell, and you know the the, the likes of who Joanne Yinser and you know Cleveland Taylor and all, all these types of, of, of folk who uh, I, I seen a new guy come in, relatively young at the time I was, I think twenty four, um, you know, and they, they weren't going to make it easy for me type thing, and I had <laughs> you know I had to sort of work my way in and find out where you know. I was, I was going to be comfortable in the dressing room. What would you do? Um, and, you know, I think it was like, bloody hell, who's this guy? Like, thinking out, rain it in a bit type thing. And there were, there were some fit lads, but, you know, in, in my head, I, I was fit than the rest of them. Um, and again, I knew what my strengths were and where my, you know, where I was capable of doing it. So, yeah, for me, it was kind of just, you know, work as normal. Uh, but, yeah, no, they, they were a really, really good bunch. <laughs> I mean, like, mate, in terms of the interview, we'll leave things there. And I, I don't feel like I'm putting you on the spot. I think I might have mentioned something to do with a part two in the future, maybe. Yeah. Um, so plenty yeah. of meat on the bones for a part two in the future. Thank you so much for your time today. There's only one question left, mate, and it's a cheeky one. And all the ex-pros have had to answer it. So I hope you're not too shy. Here we go, mate. Yeah. Being an ex, <laughs> being an ex-professional footballer. You have been lucky enough to be included in gaming titles like FIFA and Football Manager. So my question to you, Super Matty Robson, is have you ever played with yourself? <laughs> yes, please. I have. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I mean, I'd be lying out of the back of my teeth. I think it was... Uh, Man, or one or two. Absolute classic of a game, by the way. Um, you know, I played on on that or three or four. Of course, I have put myself out of the youth team, put myself into the first team. You know, <laughs> you know bought myself for, for you know Man United and all, all that. Of course, I have. You know, it'd be we feel not to. Um, to yeah, someone has to replace gigs. Really. You know. <laughs> <laughs> But it must be a yeah. lot of fun and it's been a lot of fun talking to you mate it really has been I hope you hang around just for one more minute at the end after we say goodbye to the listeners mate um this has been an absolutely cracking summer special really appreciate your time and there's nothing else left for us really to do but say bye from me and bye from Matty Robson say bye Matty buddy bye everybody Bye for now. <laughs> oh, cheers, mate. Cheers, man. Thank you so much for that.
away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.